This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonas. This is episode 120 and uh, this is going to be a special night two review of WrestleMania 36. So uh, if you haven't caught it already, go out and check our night one review. Uh, there was myself and Kurt Johansson from uh, the Ringsiders crew and from Kurt's Angle podcast. Um, and uh, we broke down all the matches from night one of WrestleMania 36. That's a really good listen. Go out and check that out in the archives. Uh, but today I've got two very special guests. It's a, a very rare a three-man booth here on the wrestling with jonas podcast and uh, let me introduce our guest to talk about night two of wrestlemania 36 so first of all i want to welcome longtime friend longtime friend of the show um and uh, regular contributor to the wrestling with jonas.com website uh matt bayless uh, how are you matt uh, good to have you back on the wrestling with jonas podcast i think the last time we had you on was when we reviewed uh takeover blackpool 2 live from our hotel room yeah, that uh, seems like a hell of a long time ago now. I think lots changed in the world since then. Uh, but yeah, thank you for having me back on today. No, you're very, very welcome. And uh, I want to introduce the, the undisputed, the undefeated, brainbuster quiz champion of the world, King Grizz. Grizz, how are you, sir? Number one in leaderboard, number one in your hearts. Always, always. Great to have you both back on the show. Um, I think the last time we spoke to you, Grizz, was around the same time as Blackpool 2, and I think we covered night two of Wrestle Kingdom, didn't we? Uh, Wrestle Kingdom, what were we up to? 14, I think, uh, this year. So uh, that was a really fun listen. So go and check uh, those two shows out in the archive. But great to have you back on the show. And uh, yeah, like I say... (laughs) Night one of WrestleMania was was quite good. Uh, before we get into night two, let's just have your kind of thoughts and feelings on night one, some of the highlights and some of the things you've probably gone back and watched over again. So starting with you, Grizz, um, I'm, I'm guessing you saw night one of WrestleMania 36. What were some of the standout moments? Anything you enjoyed or maybe uh, not so much uh, from that uh, first night show? Well, the ladder match, first of all, was absolutely top notch and... Um, obviously, everyone is talking about the the boneyard match. Yeah, yeah, just that was pretty. Epic. That was that was uh, some cinematical genius, and I'm not even 100 sure if that's a word, but I'm go with it. Yeah, cinematical genius. Is that something you use uh, in everyday life? Because um, you're a cinema manager, Matt, uh, you'd know all about cinematical genius. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I really appreciate it. Just in, in the pure, you know, purely for the visuals that he came up with, it was you know it was a bit like B movie slasher film and, and everything. It was like it was it was great fun. I mean, I watched, I made made the kids watch it um, yesterday when I watched it back over, and like, they were captivated by it the whole time. And you know, it sort of like works on on so many levels. And, you know, Undertaker's always good, so uh, he's always always value for money. So uh, yeah. Yeah, do you think it's added to, you know, giving The Undertaker maybe a little bit more longevity as well, having these kind of, uh, I don't know, location shoot matches, maybe another Boneyard match sometime in the future? And and Kurt brought up in yesterday's episode, uh, Night One of WrestleMania 36, that potentially it could be an opening to eventually have that Sting Undertaker match um, or many more matches like that. But uh, uh, going back to you, Grizz, any, any thoughts on future Boneyard matches featuring The Undertaker? Uh, yes, please and thank you. I would even take a whole pay-per-view of it. Yeah, yeah. 
Definitely. Similar, similar to that um, entire episode of Impact they'd done from the Hardy Compound. Yeah, that was pretty epic. That. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it could, uh, like I say, open up possibilities to because we know the Undertaker is limited, and uh, I think they're going to be launching a documentary series on the Undertaker on the WWE Network very, very soon. I think there was a glimpse of that after last night's uh, night two WrestleMania. Um, but uh, yeah, with this kind of limited. You know, agility and uh, being able to get around, get around the ring as well as you used to 20, 30 years ago. Uh, that could be the way forward for future Undertaker WrestleMania appearances. But uh, let's get stuck in tonight too then, gents. So um, I, I didn't catch the kickoff show straight away, but uh, um, I, I kind of read that it was uh, fairly good. Went back and watched it this morning. It was, of course, Natalia versus Liv Morgan. It was an okay match. I think they gave them uh, how many minutes? I think they gave them two more minutes than the kickoff match from the night before Google versus Cesaro so uh, that's a kind of one interesting uh, nugget of, 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 really of information nice of there but um, 6 minutes 25 seconds they got last night and it was an okay match with Liv Morgan coming out the winner and then we go straight into the main show now, a lot of people are calling this uh, possibly the match of the night or certainly one of the matches of the weekend. But it was Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship. So, uh, you know, in this match, um, you know, it, it was quite a physical match. There was uh, lots of hard hits. There was an early riptide from Ripley leading to a close near fall. Uh, Charlotte goes to the outside to recover. There's lots of intensity in this match, fellas. Uh, you know, both of them laying in some stiff chops and kicks uh, throughout this one. Uh, Charlotte goes after Rhea's uh, left leg wrapping it around the ring post a couple of times and uh, Rhea did a great job of selling the injury throughout this match um, and Charlotte gets uh, caught on the top turnbuckle Rhea drops her face first with like an electric chair um, and then uh, eventually getting a two count from a quite an impressive missile drop kick um, and then uh, Ripley is able to hook in a standing cloverleaf that's always impressive to see and gets another close near fall from a big boot to the face of Charlotte uh, then then it's Charlotte's turn to get on the offense she gets a close near fall with a trademark spear gets a two count there before uh, hooking in a figure four leg lock um, uh, Ripley tries to reach the ropes but Charlotte transitions into a figure eight causing Ripley to furiously tap out to end the match and we have a new NXT women's champion in a, a fairly good 20 minute match fellas so um, this was a really good match I'd say they were certainly laying in the chops quite a physical match good way to kick off night two of Wrestlemania uh, some great selling from Rhea Ripley with obviously Flair targeting the leg, uh, which paid dividends in the end of the match. Um, and like I say, many are calling this the, the match of the night, or certainly one of the matches of the weekend. But uh, Matt, uh, going over to you, Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley. Any thoughts on what went down last night between these two? Yeah, I really liked it. I was quite surprised that it, um, it opened the show, to be honest. I think it probably could have, could have or should have deserved to be higher up the card. Um, but in terms of like, you know, setting the standard and, and uh, getting off on the right foot, it was really good. Uh, it was really hard hitting, and I think it made it really obvious that there was no audience there. That in fact you could hear every chop, every scream. You know, I, I had to turn the volume down on my TV because I wasn't sure like what the neighbours would think I was watching. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was it was really really good match, really like hard hitting match. Um, you know, a little bit disappointed with the outcome, but um, but obviously that does open up a lot of different avenues that they can go down moving forwards now, though. So um, so hopefully that'll be you know good for the NXT Women's Title going forwards. Yeah, so so Grizz, as Matt mentioned there, it kind of kicked off the show last night uh, for the main card. Um, you know, you've got to feel bad for for Rear, to be honest with you. You know, there could be future rematches down the 
offline. Of course, uh, Rhea Ripley is a, is a regular fixture on NXT. But, she, you know, she had a great 2019, um, you know, winning the championship in December, that very memorable moment on the episode of NXT. And, uh, you know, going into this match, kind of a, a real kind of hot commodity um, and, uh, you know, probably as hot as she's ever been. And uh, then she kind of loses to Charlotte and you, you're going to have Charlotte as the new NXT champion. Give us your thoughts on, on the match and kind of, you know, how you feel about Charlotte being a champion of, uh, of NXT. Well, I think you know what I'm probably going to say before I say it. Um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the the match was great, but again, the result was just really again, you know, kind of like what everybody thought when Charlotte won the Royal Rumble, and then yeah. everyone was like, "Oh, well, here we go, it's Charlotte wins everything again." Yeah, yeah, but yeah, to to kind of to kind of. Um, continue on in what you were saying it is kind of heartbreaking for um Rhea Ripley though the fact that you know she she has um had a, a great 2019 going into 2020 she was going to debut uh make her Wrestlemania debut and it was meant to be in front of you know like a hundred thousand fans and then sadly it ends up being in the performance center in front of nobody like it's little things like that, especially because in the build up, it showed her in the stadium and she spoke about how much that meant to her to be this young and in, into her career and then come into this big stadium to perform in front of all these people. And then it just didn't happen. And um, while the match itself, um, to go into that, uh, was actually very, very entertaining, there was actually some very disturbing looking um you know, knee bends during some of those points when Charlotte was uh, pounding on uh, Rhea Ripley's uh, uh, knee. There were some very good selling ones that, you know, made you cringe a little. Um, but as I say, like, all of it was good, except Rhea should have won. She hadn't been champion for that long. And I feel as if, like, maybe you could have left the title on her for a while and then maybe tried to build up a rematch at SummerSlam or something so that that gives Rhea another couple of months as champion before maybe taking the belt off of her. Yeah, it does take away a little bit of a shine, doesn't it? Or quite a lot of a shine, to be honest with you. And uh, you would think, you know, they've, they've got this far to build in rear up. They could have gone one or two steps further by making her an even bigger star, an even bigger name by putting her over against Charlotte at WrestleMania and then continuing her run and then having Charlotte uh, chase for the title again, having that big rematch in front of a crowd, possibly at SummerSlam. Um, but then... Uh, you know, from a business standpoint, they possibly did it to get more eyes on the on the NXT product on Wednesday nights by having Charlotte there regularly. Possibly, you got to think uh, that way as well, leading to maybe you know a bit of a chase from uh, uh, from Rhea for a possible rematch. Uh, I mean, we'll speak a bit more about Bianca Belair a bit later on in connection with another match, but potentially it could, if if Belair stays in NXT for a bit longer, it could lead to that that match that we were kind of hoping we'd see. Um, at WrestleMania, maybe Belair versus Charlotte in some form or fashion over the title. You never know. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how long they keep the title, the championship on Charlotte Flair, because obviously there's going to be conflicting 
dare I say it, travel schedules or filming schedules. Mm. Of course, we know that she's in a relationship and uh, engaged with Andrade, who's on the Raw brand. Uh, so that, that you know, it, it's interesting to see how these uh, different parts come together regarding filming schedules, uh, travel schedules in the future, uh, with them being on different brands, because we know that she kind of, um, you know, she she politics to have Andrade on the same brand as her, is my understanding, but uh, very interesting. But like I say, going back to the match, a really hot way to kick off the show last night. Um, and I like the stiffness of it and something going back to what Matt said. And I said this uh, with Kurt yesterday was that not having any fans there as kind of gutting as that is, it does add a bit more to the, the match in terms of, you know, the, the noises you hear, the, the slaps and the punches the connections of the moves and, and the kind of reactions of the wrestlers. And as we saw on night one, you know, Seth Rollins and the selling and the way he sold, uh, you know, that dive from the WrestleMania sign through the table and the way that he was you know, generally sounded like he couldn't breathe. He was struggling to catch his breath and that may well have been the case, but um, it, they, they certainly uh, continued through to a conclusion there but uh, I think it's adding to you know the intensity of the drama and the action uh, just being able to hear a lot more uh, of the action around the ringside area but let's move on to match number two then um, Alistair Black versus Bobby Lashley so I was, I was slightly intrigued by this match um, going into it especially when you consider you know Lashley's MMA history and Black's martial arts expertise uh, the problem is that Ashley, uh, Lashley Bobby Lashley has been made into you know someone you can't really take seriously because of his storyline relationship with Lana and we'll talk more about Lana in a minute. But uh, early on, uh, Alistair Black misses a moonsault to the outside. Bobby Lashley drops Black with an overhead throw uh, onto the floor. Uh, Lashley then uh, dominated with some, some power moves, but Black recovers to, uh, uh, with his pace and agility, eventually managing to hit the moonsault from the turnbuckles to the outside. However, just as Lashley is about to put Black away with his finisher, I think it's called the Dominator, Lala, she demands that Lashley uh, use his spear instead, and uh, Black catches Bobby Lashley mid-run um, with, a, with a Black mass up upside the head for the one, two, three. Um, so uh, the right end being the right person won. I was happy to see Alistair Black on a WrestleMania card in a featured match, albeit with no crowd um, and no no real atmosphere. But um, yeah, I suppose it is what it is and uh, a win for Alistair Black. But starting with you, Grizz, uh, any thoughts on this one? Well, yeah, it wasn't bad, considering the fact that there was absolutely no build-up to it whatsoever. I, I believe... Um, it was purely because uh, Lashley had to self-isolate before WrestleMania, so there wasn't really any way that Lashley could get involved to start a feud, but they decided to just continue with the match anyway. But nevertheless, you know, it, it, when we looked at it on paper, I was like, well, this is going to be a dud match where maybe I'll go and rifle the cupboards and see if there's anything to snack on, but I ended up kind of sitting watching it more than I thought I would, and it definitely came off a lot better than I was expecting in my head, but I fully agree with um, it being the right call to have uh, Alistair Black win this one. Yeah, and like I say, it could be uh, could be the, the beginnings of the end of that uh, horrible uh, relationship between Lana and Lashley, of course, and uh, give uh, Bobby Lashley something serious to focus on. But uh, Matt, uh, did you enjoy this match? And I've got to say, I me mean, Lana looked pretty good on the outside, you know, kind of uh, whatever she was wearing. She's now a brunette, so um, uh, a little bit of a, a change in appearance for her. But uh, any thoughts on this, or, or maybe Lana? Um, not so much on Lana. To be honest. I always have thoughts of Lana. <laughs> she's, uh, she's too annoying, I think. So I'm just paying much attention to. Um, yeah, I agree. With what Grace said though is like we, with no build and, and sort of you know storyline to it, it was a bit of a bit of a strange match. But um, 
you know, it's different, different challenge for Alistair Black as well, um, going against a bigger guy. And like probably my main takeaway from it was that Lashley was wearing full length trunks uh, instead of his the instead of his um, bludgy smugglers that he normally wears. And so. Yeah, they, they looked weird. They, do you yeah. know what they kind of looked like? They kind of looked like uh, Leo Rush's old gear. So I was I was thinking he had more of a, a Ron Simmons sort of look by by, by wearing the long tights. So um, you know, and if that's if, you know if that's the way they wanted to go with him, then you know that's potentially good for his future. So. And Lashley uses uh, Ron Simmons' old finisher, the Dominator. An idea, so um, so it could it could be something they they uh, they pick up and run with. So yeah, uh, but I'd say more more importantly, it was a, a win for Alistair Black. Picked up a WrestleMania win. Of course, he made his WrestleMania debut alongside Ricochet last year. Um, but um, I. I, I, I I think I said this in the preview show with uh, Lexi Helms on Friday um, that uh, skipping 12 months ahead, it'll be nice to see Alistair Black um, in a featured match, possibly with a, a title on the line. They've obviously um, quite high on Alistair Black. We know that he's a talent. We know he's got a great look, a great presence. Um, I'm not quite sure about his, his kind of promo ability or whether they're particularly captivating or, or engaging, but certainly in the ring, he can do the biz. And I think they, they like the look of him. So I uh, would be surprised if he's further up the, uh, the card. Uh, WrestleMania 37. I do but, appreciate the fact that they have stopped having him do those uh, come and knock on my door promos because, <laughs> yeah, those, those you're right, were not captivating whatsoever and it just kind of made them look dumb, if anything. Yeah, they need to uh, work on that aspect of his character. But uh, yeah, the longer he stays with Paul Heyman uh, backstage, the better, I suppose. But uh, Paul Heyman is definitely a big uh, fan of of Alistair Black and then they, we had an advertisement for the next pay-per-view uh, believe it or not uh, Money in the Bank which is scheduled to take place on May the 10th I think it said but uh, looks like they're still planning to go ahead with the pay-per-views in front of a crowd or no crowd um, I'm, I'm guessing that by eight, uh, by May the 10th things wouldn't have changed too much so it uh, looks like they're you know getting Wrestlemania out of the way uh, future kind of Raws and Smackdowns are going to be focusing on the next pay-per-view in the build to Money in the Bank which will probably be you know a kind of a, a closed set no fans uh, almost certainly emanated from the performance center so that'd be interesting to see what happens there uh, and then we get to rob gunkowski the host of wrestlemania saying how he wants to win the 24 7 championship by the end of the night um and then on to the next match then guys so uh, a match i was particularly looking forward to i've got to say i've enjoyed the the, the, the storyline of the build and uh one particular individual has been tugging at my heartstrings but it's uh, otis dozovich of course going <laughs> up against dolph ziggler uh so besides the in my opinion besides the, the edge and all to match uh, this is the match that's had the best storyline the best build um and it's um as it transpired on friday night smackdown it was sonia deville um who was uh, behind all the text messages that caused otis to miss his valentine's date with mandy what a cow uh but uh <laughs> dolph came to the ring with sonia deville uh dolph is, is the aggressor to start this match uh, that was until otis starts to rub his belly to get all psyched up um and then starts to throw dolph around the ring so uh, Grizz, i've got to ask you you know when you want to get psyched up for a fight or uh, want to get into something do you start rubbing your belly is that a sign to is that something that we need to all start doing to kind of get more hyped for 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 the for the action possibly oh absolutely like I'm, the, that's how i that's how i wake up every day to get to get prepared for work i just uh you know taps off rub the rub the old belly to get myself psyched up and then get myself dressed and get to work 
There we go. But uh, Dolph was uh, bumping all day long uh, for, for Otis, and that's exactly what he was there to do. Uh, but uh, Otis still obviously the trash compactor, uh, but uh, after a distraction from, from Sonya, Dolph uh, comes and hits him with a low blow from behind. Then we get Mandy. She comes out to the ring. She slaps the taste out of Sonya Deville. Uh, Mandy then nails Dolph with a low blow of her own. Uh, Otis then uh, drops the, the, the caterpillar and the big elbow and then pins Dolph Ziggler to, to not only win the match, but he wins the girl and he, he gets a, a big old sloppy kiss to cap things off. Uh, this was a great storyline, a really fun build, a fun story and a fun ending. Uh, but uh, you know what, what more could we possibly wish for apart from uh, you know, having arena full of fans to appreciate the payoff at the end? But uh, a lot of fun. Uh, nothing to take too seriously, but... Uh, um, I'm, I'm kind of into Otis. I think he's a great character. Um, and uh, Matt, starting with you, uh, did you enjoy the action and the kind of storyline and the booking of this one? Yeah, I think the, the whole storyline for this has been has been really good because it's, it's gone on for a long, long time and they've kind of like ticked it over and kind of kept you guessing a little bit about what's going to happen and everything. And, and I totally agree. They've definitely deserved an arena full of people to react to uh, to him sort of like picking Mandy up at the end, but. Yeah, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was, you know, it was, a, it was a, a tidy little match. Um, didn't really do anything that special. Um, but the payoff for the storyline was there, which was which was the main thing, really. And what, that's what Mania is meant to be about. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, Grizz, give us your thoughts on this one. Well, at the end of the match, if let's just say if this happened in front of a Scottish crowd, there would be a different chant. There would probably be the chant of <laughs> "Get her pumped." But uh, if this was uh, if this was uh, in front of the WrestleMania crowd, you know for a fact that during that kind of stall of uh, Mandy being in Otis's arms, there would obviously be the chant of "Kiss, kiss, 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 kiss." Yeah, yeah and absolutely. Other than going to see the '80s band, that'll probably be the only time you will hear. That that amount of people chanting that word, <laughs> but uh, I was thoroughly entertained, and uh, Dolph Ziggler was the perfect foil to bounce around for Otis, and uh, I thought that two of them uh, played uh, played played the, the the roles played their roles very very well and definitely delivered. But uh, fun match, fun storyline, be interesting to see where they go with this one. Obviously, you're going to have maybe a little bit of a, a conflict, a bit of a feud between Sonya and Mandy, and maybe a little bit of a continuation between Otis and uh, Dolph, maybe adding uh, Tucker and Bobby Roode to have a, a good series of tag matches. I'm looking forward to the day when they put the tag titles on uh, on um, heavy machinery. But uh, there we go. Uh, but another match. Or there that, could be the uh, alternative, go on, though. Go on. There could be the alternative, though, where Mandy may end up getting in between heavy machinery. And then it may start the debate of, oh, it needs to pack the girl, the team. No. Ooh. No, don't say that. Don't, no. don't want to see T- Tucker and Otis feuding. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> but, you're, but you're right. But I don't know if the uh, WWE writers are kind of clever enough to kind of think that far ahead or maybe uh, kind of book it that way. You never know, though. They do like to split their tag teams up, don't they? They do yeah. like to split their tag teams up. Uh, and plus, but, considering but, how over Otis is now, uh, you know, like they might see uh, Tucker as the, the dead weight. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, that's just playing devil's advocate, obviously. There we go. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we will see. It's one, one of them kind of uh, situations where we'll have to tune in and find out. But uh, I, I think a lot of us are kind of big Otis fans. Um, I'm sure they've kind of got things in the works for, you know, future for Otis more in the singles ranks as opposed to tag team ranks. I'm sure it will probably, uh, we'll see what develops there. But um, oh, I do like heavy machinery. Don't want them to split just yet. But uh, as long as they're involved in regular storylines um, and, you know, keeping them on screen, uh, that's all that matters to me. But uh, yeah, 
there we go. Edge versus Randy Orton, the last man standing in a uh, match then, gents. And this one's been quite divisive. It's had a lot of uh, a lot, a lot of critics. It's had its um, people that uh, really enjoyed the match. But um, I've got to say, going into it, we spoke about the Otis and, and Dolph and Mandy storyline. This has probably had uh, the best storyline going into it, the best build of any of the main matches. So, you know, you had that epic, unforgettable, really emotional return of Edge at the Royal Rumble, of course. You know, the vicious attack on Raw the following night by Orton. Um, Orton then uh, RKO in Beth Phoenix. Uh, that The promos you've had from from Orton and especially the, the epic promos from Edge and the build to this Mania match. Um, although, the, you know, the match has been uh, panned by many, but... Um, Going into this one before before the, uh, the we talk about the the highlights of the match, gents. I uh, don't know if you had a chance to watch the the Edge uh, was it the Edge twenty four seven or twenty four special on uh, the WWE Network. That that was quite emotional. It was uh, filmed over a quite a long period where originally it was a documentary um, just to kind of uh, capture um, Edge and his kind of career after WWE, and then he kind of found out that he he could go and that he could wrestle and started training. It was the build up to to that and his secret. To appearance at the Royal Rumble. Have any of you managed to catch hold of that yet? No, I've not had a chance to watch it yet. It's, um, it's definitely something that that I do I do intend to get around to as soon as possible. Um, although from listening to what some people say, I think probably a box of uh, box of tissues is probably needed. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's just, it does tug at the heartstrings. It's quite an emotional uh, watch. But uh, let, let's let's get into the action then, because it was a pretty intense match. And, um, you know, after Edge, he makes his entrance. Uh, he waits in the ring and he waits and waits and then uh, for, for Orton to make his appearance. Uh, and then Orton does come out finally from behind with an RKO from out of nowhere. Little did we know that Randy was dressed up as one of the cameramen on the outside. <laughs> uh, the match officially gets underway with Orton nailing a second RKO straight away. Uh, the match goes to the outside where Orton nails Edge with the camera. Uh, they fight around the backstage area of the PC into the weight room. Now, uh, the, the last time we saw the weight room of the PC was during the Gargano and Champa brawl from a few weeks ago. That was pretty epic. Um, here, Randy Orton attempts to put Edge's head into some kind of uh, uh, lifting straps or lifting contraption in a possible hanging spot. Thankfully, they, they didn't uh, turn that into anything. Uh, Edge manages to escape. Uh, we'll talk about more about, about that spot flashbacks. in a minute. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, Edge then re- he recovers to kind of pummel Randy Orton. They fight back into the production area and then uh, back out to the ringside where uh, Edge is thrown off the stage and into the barricade. Uh, they fight into the boardroom where Edge comes swinging off of the, the ceiling um, and uh, down uh, onto Orton with a big elbow, who elbow who's laid across the boardroom table. They fight through to the back stage storage area where Orton rams Edge's head into a stack of steel steps. Uh, always handy to know they've got uh, uh, a handy supply of steel steps in case they need them all stacked up in a nice neat pile. Uh, Edge then climbs onto the top of the storage cage to drop a big elbow driving Randy through a set of tables down below. That was pretty awesome. Orton gets a nasty gash uh, cut um, on his back there from that table spot. Orton then delivers a, a draping DDT onto the back of a pickup truck. Uh, Edge then climbs onto the top of the trailer followed by Orton, who gets speared by Edge on the roof of the trailer. Um, Orton then delivers an RKO before bringing two chairs up onto the top of the trailer, setting up a possible concerto. But Edge is able to turn things around with a chokehold. He puts Randy Orton out uh, and then delivers a concerto of his own to Randy Orton. The referee counts to 10 and Edge wins the last man standing match in this uh, quite emotional, hard-hitting um, epic grudge match you could say uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it now the match didn't go down too well as I said with the likes of Dave Meltzer and very 
various people calling it the most boring match in WrestleMania history and possibly the worst match of the year. Um, it was the, the second longest WrestleMania match in history. I don't know if you're aware of that. Obviously, the longest was the Iron Man match between Brett and Sean. This one went 36 minutes. Um, and there's been a lot of controversy about that attempted hanging spot as well in the weight room. But uh, um, I thought it was a good comeback match for Edge. It did go quite uh, quite long, 36 minutes, as I mentioned. But starting with you, Matt, any thoughts on this one? Um, were you a fan of it? Did you enjoy what they did? Any bits of it that you didn't enjoy? Um, well, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't until you just said I didn't realise how long it was. I mean, I, I was aware that it was it was fairly long, but I didn't realise it was that long. Um, mm. And I think it was it was kind of necessary because you know if you pay off a, a last man standing match in ten minutes, you're going to get criticised for for sort of like you know, battering it in that amount of time as well. Mm. So, so it makes it more legit, I think. And with with the sort of the hanging thing, I think that's being blown out of proportion because for starters, he puts his arm through first. Yeah. Because um, he's just trying to prop him up so he can carry on um, inflicting pain and telling him he loves him at the same time. So, something to strive for, obviously. Um, but um, but no, but I, I really liked it. I think it, I think the fact that it was slow and methodical kind of played to the storyline and to the the emotion behind it as well. And, and it's it's Randy Orton's character anyway. Um, you know, slow and methodical and and everything. You know, they, they probably you know maybe they did take a little bit of time between some of the spots and stuff but overall I, I i really liked it i thought the the ending was good the payoff was good and um you know definitely benefited benefited from having an empty arena as well because it didn't have to stay in the ring didn't have to stay in public view or anything as well so they could just go off and uh, give you a guided tour of the uh of the pc yeah, definitely. And, uh, and, and, and Chris, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, when I was watching it, I was really into the action. Uh, maybe in hindsight, it probably did go five, ten minutes too long. I don't know. But then, like Matt said, it plays into the character of Randy Orton. It was Edge's first match back. He's not uh, the spring chicken that he used to be. And uh, his wrestling style and characters had to change uh, now that he's returned. But uh, quite a unique ending as well, kind of finishing the match on the top of that trailer. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I thought that uh, they, they did utilise their facilities very, very well. But to give us your thoughts on what went down last night. Absolutely. Like, I, I completely agree with you. So like, I really enjoyed the match as well. And <clears throat> it didn't seem as if it went that long when, when watching it. And I think uh, people saying that uh, it was one of the worst and one of the most boring matches in WrestleMania history is blowing that way out of proportion because we got to see Bret Hart uh, versus Vince McMahon and <laughs> in a match. <laughs> where Bret Hart was so tired that he needed to have a seat in the middle of the match. Yeah. Um, but uh, before I get properly into the match, like I did hear, I don't know exactly how accurate this is, but I did hear that uh, Alter Bridge were actually meant to play Edge to the Ring if this was still in the stadium setting. Yeah. And <clears throat> being one of the biggest Alter Bridge fans that you ever will meet in your life, um, you know, at, at least 15 times I've seen that band live. Um Getting to see them perform uh, Edge out at, at WrestleMania would have been something absolutely special for, for me personally, be, being a fan. And do um, they play the Edge's theme during their uh, standard gigs? Yes, I've seen, oh. they've played it every single time. Brilliant, absolutely yeah. brilliant. I'd love to see it. And like I say, no doubt Edge is hanging around, you know, he's, he's kind of, uh, he, he's got the bit between his teeth now and I'm sure there's going to be many more matches. Not, not, he's not going to be a, a, a weekly feature on, a fixture on our TV screens, but I'm sure he'll be popping up at the big pay-per-views. So I'm sure there's going to be opportunities in the future uh, for that live performance to happen. But uh, give us your thoughts on, on some of the spots and uh, how it ended on top of that trailer. Well, uh, like like what Matt said, um, 
the fact that there was no crowd did actually make the match much more unique because it didn't need to be constantly in front of a crowd. Um, and it made for unique spots, like the the weird edge monkey spot where he hanged off the, the top of the, <laughs> the, the, the boardroom, which for some reason has bits of steel cage attached to the roof. Um, but less said about that, the better. But, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't have got stuff like that um, in, in this kind of match if it was in a stadium. Like, I don't, I, I would agree, I don't think they probably would have left, like, the ringside area. Or if they went backstage, it probably wouldn't be for a prolonged period of time. Um, <clears throat> uh, but, I, I don't know, I quite like the fact that it almost gave you a tour of the Performance Centre as well, which is always something that I've been very interested in seeing more of. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they obviously it had to end the way it had to end, you know, with the con- concerto of revenge, um, and yeah. uh, Edge dropping, I assume, like an f bomb or something as well to really show that passion, and also with the the look on his face of like just, it's like just being completely broken down and the emotion pouring out of him just before he done it, and it's like. Yeah, like if if there was a time to grab your uh, grab your Kleenex uh, during that uh, during the show, um, it would be during that point because you could just feel the emotion coming out of him. Yeah, and regardless of you know the critics that this match has had and uh, whether it went too long or not, whether Dave Meltzer thinks it's boring or not, you can't kind of question the the effort that these two put in, and you know both emotional effort, physical effort, uh, they really did kind of deliver, and you you could tell that they were putting everything in their soul into this one, which can't be faulted at all. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think the two of you really enjoyed it, and uh, mm-hmm. um, I think if this was in front of an arena full of fans, eighty thousand in the Raymond James Stadium, you wouldn't have had the Boneyard match that we had the night before. You wouldn't have had the Firefly Funhouse match. You wouldn't have had this match, potentially. It would have all been kind of contained within the ring. And yes, I'm sure that would have been preferable to the majority of us. But what we did get instead uh, was very, very memorable. And it gave them an opportunity to experiment, to do things outside of the norm. So uh, I really appreciate this match. But it's definitely, it's definitely one that I'm going to go back and watch again when I, get, uh, when I get 36 minutes spare time. But uh, there we go. Let's, let's move on to the next batch. And it was for the Raw Tag Team Championships then, guys. So it was uh, Angel Garza and Austin Theory. Austin Theory, obviously, a, a last-minute replacement uh, for Andrade, who was uh, suffering some kind of injury from a previous match, um, going up against the Street Profits. So this was an okay match. Um, all four competitors making their WrestleMania debuts. Uh, Montez Ford did, 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 did a repeat of the huge dive that he did uh, the night before on Monday Night Raw. This time there were wrestlers on the other end to catch Ford on this occasion, unlike uh, uh, Austin Theory, who completely missed him uh, on that episode of Monday Night Raw. Angel oh, there Garza. Was, there was a lump in my throat. That was, <laughs> that, was, that was pretty stiff, wasn't it? That was pretty sick, that, the thud that we. <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was so kind of hyped, uh, shouting WrestleMania and doing his uh, Ultimate Warrior thing before he, he nearly committed suicide over the top rope there. But fortunately, on this occasion, there were people there to catch him. Uh, Angel Garza nails a, a pretty sweet moonsault. Austin Theory hits his TKO finisher. Uh, but as he was covering Dawkins, Montez Ford comes off the top rope with his uh, legendary huge frog splash onto Theory before pulling Dawkins onto Theory for the win and to retain the championship. So after the match, we had Zelina Vega... Uh, Garza and Theory, they came back to attack the Prophets, to attack the baby faces, only for Bianca Belair to make the say. She came out, um, she uh, nailed uh, Vega uh, with a KOD. I didn't realise it was called the Kiss of Death until they said on commentary last night. So uh, uh, you learn something new every day, I suppose. And then ending the, the segment with Bianca and the Prophets celebrating in the ring. And uh, it looks like, uh, and certainly 
the rumour is, and it would appear here that Bianca Belair is getting a, a post WrestleMania call up. Um, so uh, you know where we'd, we spoke earlier about a potential match for the NXT title, uh, Charlotte versus Bianca. Um, unless they're going to do it on a future pay per view on an episode of Raw, it looks like Bianca is now part of the main roster up on uh, Monday Night Raw. So Grizz, um, you know, it was a fairly short match. It was fairly action packed. It was nice to see all four of them get their WrestleMania debuts, and then uh, Bianca Belair show up at the very end there. But uh, give us your thoughts on this one, my friend. Yeah, it was it was another not not bad match. Um, it is quite just interesting when you you kind of watch the story of how Austin Theory, who's only been on NXT about six times maybe in his whole career, yeah. just went from um, you know wrestling Tyler Breeze to you're on WrestleMania now. Yeah, yeah, and as good as the talent he is, he hasn't won a match yet, not on NXT or main roster. I don't think he's been involved in uh, on the winning side at all, and uh, we know he's going to be a you know a future champion of one sort or another. And uh, myself and Matt actually was lucky enough to see Austin Theory against Trent Seven at a Progress show in Birmingham yes. last March. Uh, that that was pretty good. I think uh, he lost in that match as well, from what I understand. But um, uh, but a hell of a talent, got a great look, uh, so I'm sure he'll do very well. But uh, any any other thoughts on this one then, Grizz? Um, I mean, Bianca Belair is what it is. Uh, I personally am not actually a fan of hers, but, you know, like any any extra bodies in the, the Raw Women's Division, I suppose, is nothing but a good thing, regardless of what you you want to say about her. I know that you're, you're quite the fan of her. Um, but, yeah, it's just, um, especially after, you know, the, to heart back on uh, Saturday's show, the... The Shayna Becky match didn't really go over that well, and so I get the feeling that maybe they might already be done with Shayna Baszler. So maybe, um, maybe Bianca, they're, they're bringing her up purposely to maybe continue on, um, and maybe in Shayna's place in the future. Yeah, I've, I've got the same worries about Shayna, to be honest with you. Uh, but uh, Matt, uh, any thoughts on this uh, tag title match that took place last night? Yeah, it was uh, it was just good fun match really i think i never anticipated the, the titles changing hands especially because the opponents changed several times like, across the week um yeah but you know there's there's, there's a few few decent spots in it um i like the street profits they're good fun um and then like angel garza is definitely one for the future um so and 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 montez ford really as well i think you know imagine a few years down the line the, the two of them in in big high profile singles matches or facing each other at WrestleMania could be something pretty special because they're both phenomenal talents. Um, they've got really good characters as well. So, um, so you know, I'd like to see them go go far. And, uh, yeah. And I think sort of like with Garza's moonsaults and then the the frog splash as well from uh, Montez Ford, like, you know, really impressive, high impact. They look, you know, perfect to the cameras as well. So, um, but yeah, it's good. I mean, Bianca, I'm probably in the middle of you two on Bianca Bella. I think when, when she had a title shot against Baszler was it last year or a bit long a bit longer ago than that and there's a bit of criticism that she wasn't ready and stuff like that and, and I definitely agree with that at the time but my my opinion is changing um and I don't think she's a finished article yet but I like her a lot more now than I did sort of 12 months ago so uh, so hopefully you know getting getting on the main roster is, is gonna do us some good 
Yeah, and and, and Montez Ford, he's, he's such an amazing talent. I mean, how I mean, we talk about Mojo Rawley and uh, how hyped he gets, uh, but uh, Montez Ford, he's, he's just in a different category altogether in the way he shakes the ropes and does his tremendous dives and uh, kind of uh, reminding us that we're in WrestleMania season, everybody, when in actual fact it was actually WrestleMania. So that goes to show how long ago that match was recorded that uh, it, it hadn't quite twigged that he was wrestling on a, on, on a WrestleMania. Uh, but uh, a, a thoroughly entertaining match. Um, yeah, the right choice as far as the winners were concerned. It was a bit of a makeshift team on the other side. Um, but um, yeah, no, no, it's a bit of a storyline development with uh, Bianca coming out and confronting Zelina. be interesting to see what happens between those two. Um, and then a, a match that I know that uh, Mr. Bayliss, uh, Matt, you were particularly looking forward to for uh, one certain individual, I'm sure. It was uh, uh, your, your, your second wife, Bailey, uh, going up against <clears> Tamina, <throat> Naomi, Sasha Banks and Lacey Evans for the SmackDown Women's Championships. So, uh, Matt, I'll just hand it over to you. You can talk for 10 minutes about Bailey if you want to. Your yeah. second wife. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, didn't realise so for all the people, to be honest. I think you're just Bailey wandering around for that. Um, <laughs> It was, you know, it was those matches are always a bit of a you know, potential to be a bit of a mess. Um, but it had Bailey in it, so it's fine. So it's like seven and a half stars. I'm not to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know what Tamina's doing in WWE. It's yeah, it'd probably it'd probably be eight stars if Tamina wasn't in this match. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, when when she's going around trying to pin people and she's leaning on the ropes and the ref has to tell her that she can't lean on the ropes. Oh yeah. yeah, you've only been wrestling for like fifteen years. Like, how do you not know that that's a thing? She's been in the WWE for ten years, guys. Yeah, um, can you believe it? Yeah, I, mean, I thought it was good. I mean, having it's it's always a way when you have the the you know the the big opponent like that. It is obviously you know they're going to get eliminated, and it was a bit of a concerted effort between the four others to to eliminate her. So that so it, you know it, it serves a purpose of creating that spot, but otherwise I've no idea why she's why she's there. And obviously it's going to sound like I'm just siding with Bailey, but when um, when Paige was announcing the opponents and, and Bailey was taking the Mickey out of out of teams, then oh, does she even still work here and stuff like? That. And I do agree. <laughs> I can't forget about her to be honest. And uh, hopefully she's yeah. being forgotten about now going forward. So, but it was good. I think I think they teased the the Sasha and Bailey thing for for quite a long time, um, to the point that everyone was expecting a payoff last night, um, which which didn't actually happen. But it's it's definitely started to like sow the seeds, and there's there's a little bit more to it there. So it's something that they can go forward with hopefully, um, and 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 sort of like develop from there. So uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it for, for, for what it was. There was, you know, there, there was some good bits in it. There were some not so good bits in it. Um, but Bayley's still the champion, so I'm I am happy. So, there uh, we go. We're on WrestleMania 37. But, but uh, as you mentioned, Bailey, she did retain. There was a bit of a, um, a bit of a mix-up in communication between her and Sasha at one point, which kind of uh, further kind of plants the seeds. I think these two have had the slowest kind of split um, in history, but I'm sure they'll get there eventually. The final two ended up with it being uh, Lacey Evans and, and Bailey, um, and then uh, Sasha Banks came back in, delivered a, a backstabber to Lacey, which uh, assisted uh, assisted. Um, Bailey in getting the win and retaining the championship, and then uh, it was Sasha who put the belt around her uh, uh, apparent friend Bailey's uh, waist to kind of close that segment. And uh, yeah, it, like I say it's a nice bit of storyline development here, and I'm sure that we're going to get. We thought that we were going to get a heel turn from from 
or a return uh, of interest from Sasha, uh, but that didn't quite a happen. Instead turn. of keeping it hanging, pardon me. A healier turn. A healier turn. That's right. <laughs> Can you go any more heal than already being a heal? I suppose. But uh, yeah, it looks like we're going to get a turn fairly soon. But it was what it was. It was a fairly long match. Went about eighteen minutes. But uh, yeah, I'd say they. We got Tamina out first, which was the good thing, and then the oh, match God. really started after that one. But um, let's move on to a, a match that's another match that's got people's tongues wagging, and, and there's a lot of interest going into so, this one. It, can I just it, bring up before you, you go on the the one on. spot in that um, that women's match that was quite interesting. Go go for it. Uh, there was so there was the part where like uh, Bailey and Sasha collided, and then that resulted in the um, the whole hodgepodge that eventually got. Um, Sasha eliminated, but there was that that point where like Bailey was clearly there and she could have easily broken up the count if she wanted to, but just didn't. Yeah, she kind of just looked on and uh, yeah. So I'm sure that'll be replayed on our screens this week, yeah. uh, just to kind of remind us of that fact. And um, I'm sure Sasha will have a few words to say about that. But uh, yeah, thanks for kind of clearing that point up. There, there was that segment in there that I neglected to mention. But uh, let's talk about the Firefly Funhouse uh, then, guys. Um, this was a match unlike any that I've seen before. John Cena versus The Fiends. Um, it, it was kind of like filmed in a bit of a dream sequence or maybe a nightmare sequence for John Cena anyway. But John Cena, who made his entrance, looked a bit like a doofus standing there on the WrestleMania stage. Then he was transported to Firefly Funhouse, uh, where uh, uh, he was told that he was going to take a, a deep look at who John Cena really is and to take on his most dangerous opponent himself. Uh, you had uh, Firefly Funhouse McMahon, uh, Mr. McMahon, asking Cena if he had enough ruthless aggression to reach for the stars like never before. Uh, Cena then comes out as the 2002 John Cena um, at the start of the ruthless aggression era, of course, uh, just as he did when he made his debut against Kurt Angle all them years ago. Braven pulled out a line from the Bella Twins theme music, which I thought was quite good. <laughs> I popped when I heard that. A uh, little bit of a, a dig at Cena's past there, or past relationships anyway. We went back to the mid-80s in like a Saturday night's main event parody behind an old blue steel cage where um, Cena apparently uh, kind of was unable to use his arms after doing some weights. We then get transported back to the Doctor of Economics area, uh, cutting a, a rap on Bray about uh, wasted chances. Bray then tells Cena that uh, he, uh, meaning Cena, has had the uh, unlimited chances and opportunities and that he's been nothing but a bully. Uh, Bray knocks Cena out with a, a chain wrapped around his fist. Uh, then we get transported back to WrestleMania 34 and around the time when these two are feuding back in 2014, where uh, many people believe that Cena uh, buried Bray and it was kind of the start of uh, um, you know the, the fall of the Wyatt family when they were at their heights back in 2014. And we then go back to the Attitude Era uh, with Bray portraying like a, an Eric Bischoff uh, in, a, in a parody of the NWO back in the Nitro day, Cena starts to beat down Bray and then Cena realises that he's hitting Husky Harris to pick, uh, not Husky Harris, but Huskers to pig before the Fiend finally shows up and drops Cena with the sister, sister Abigail and then the Mandible Claw with uh, Funhouse Bray counting to three and a win for the Fiends. Uh, this segment ends with a close-up of the Fiends telling us to let him in. Uh, this was a really quite amazing, imaginative uh, segment, uh, pretty much everything we wanted it to be really, but I'm um, I'm sure we couldn't really have thought about the things that we'd seen until we actually saw it. It was quite imaginative, definitely from the, uh, the brain of Bray Wyatt, of course, um, getting his uh, win back after six years ago, I suppose. But uh, Grizz, start with yourself. Um, 
crikey, this was uh, quite an interesting match. Certainly not not one that they could have played out in a ring, of course, but it plays in perfectly to the Bray Wyatt character, the Fiend character, and the whole Firefly Funhouse stuff. Um, but um, uh, give us your thoughts on what went down here. Where to start? Um... Exactly. <clears throat> Well, it felt like, uh, had, had I not been watching this with other people, um, online, by the way, social distancing and all that malarkey, um, I would have thought that I'd accidentally just done LSD for <laughs> about the, the 20 minutes, or it wasn't even 20 minutes, it was less than that, yeah. but um, yeah, because it just kept switching, like, I liked all the, uh, the John Cena stuff, but it was like... Bray Wyatt cutting the the Kurt Angle promo and then John Cena coming out in his old gear. Um, although that hair looks horrendous. Um, and then, but the, the only things I think it was like, I didn't get the NWO parody thing. Like, why was that there? I, I think, uh, and I've heard this through a couple of podcasts that I've heard already today, but I think it was in relation to Hogan turning heel back in WCW and the fact that John Cena um, never did turn heel like Hogan did when he had the opportunity to in WWE. Right. So I think it was in relation to to that and uh, trying to add in a bit of a Hogan NWA reference there. Right. Because that, that kind of makes a wee bit more sense now. Um, but it, I thought this was like very well done. And I actually liked the way that like they kind of... like They, they mentioned Husky Harris. That was probably the, the only... Um, kind of mention of that character, but then then they done the the old um, Bray Wyatt with the the Hawaiian shirts and the the old fedora. Yeah. Um, and then finally ended up with the with the fiend. Um, it was it was very unique and very well done, and absolutely not what I was expecting going into it. I thought it was just going to be similar to the that really not good House of Horrors match that uh, him and Orton had a, a few years ago. Yeah, I think they definitely um, learnt their lesson after that one. But uh, yeah. yeah, any other thoughts on what went down? Um, well, then, then at the end of the match, John Cena just you know disappeared. So, does that mean that he's like now in like a weird kind of like purgatory, like sort of you know mystic realm in the uh, Firefly Funhouse? And would this maybe lead to a rematch where he's trying to fight his way out at some point or something? There we go. You you need to get in touch with the WWE. You've got some uh, great booking ideas, but that that you never know. You never know. But it will be strange to see John Cena pop out, uh, kind of um, uh, you know, un, unhurt, unharmed by uh, what went down last night. Uh, but yeah, to, to fight his way out of of uh, limbo or purgatory would be quite interesting. Oh my god! Or even even better, like the next time they have a Firefly Funhouse, they just have like a John Cena puppet, and it's as if like all the puppets are like trapped former wrestlers and John Cena is the newest addition to the family. Superb, superb. Uh, Matt, uh, what's your thoughts on this one? And can you you come up with any other weird and wonderful ways that they can reintroduce John Cena? Um, I I just thought it was really interesting because it does, it did seem to be sort of like playing out. um, I think a lot of the failures that Cena's had, so, you know, reference to his marriage and, and there's a bit where he had the opportunity to hit White with the chair at, at WrestleMania six years ago. And, and yeah. Like and it was quite, I mean, I know, I know obviously in the Ruthless Aggression documentary series on the network, um, like Cena sort of admits about how like the attitude, um, Ruthless Aggression Cena, Cena was a failure and he nearly lost his job. But then, you know, a lot of the other stuff as well is, um, it's kind of, it plays out quite personal to Cena. So, 
I totally agree that the whole thing is Bray Wyatt's like brainchild and everything, but obviously must have had some buy-in from from Cena to to take the path they did. So, but um, but yeah, it could be it could be anything, couldn't it? I, I think having Cena pop it would be amazing. Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't <laughs> crossed my mind until now. Now that's what I want to happen, and if it doesn't happen, I'll be bitterly disappointed. So agreed. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it was just it was just weird and brilliant and funny and everything all rolled into one. Yeah, it it, it wasn't a match. I don't think anybody could really kind of call it a match. It was just uh yeah like a, a dream sequence and uh, totally different to what any of us could have uh, imagined it would be. But it it definitely delivered uh, with what it was and uh, I, I did enjoy it. I liked all the little little digs at Cena and how he has been kind of like you know top dog for so many years uh, almost certainly you know burying people like like the nexus and the white mm-hmm. family bray Wyatt and uh, various others and never did do that uh, turn heel uh, that heel turn that uh, we was all hoping for a few years ago but uh, no very very good and one that you kind of will have to watch back a few a few extra times just to get it around your head but um yeah very very interesting um yeah very interesting it's, it's getting a lot of mixed reviews out there online as well but i definitely enjoyed it but uh, that takes us nicely to the main event then guys so brock lesnar versus drew mcintyre for the wwe championship of the world uh th- this match was uh, brief uh, but very very impactful we, we get uh, a claymore kick in the first few seconds of the match from drew um we, we thought it was going to get uh, kind of a bit of a, a, a daniel bryan wrestlemania 28 finish there finishing under tw- 28 seconds or 18 seconds whatever it was <laughs> but then uh, uh brock then throws mcintyre around the ring with a number of german suplexes before delivering his first f5 which uh, mcintyre kicks out of on the foot on the one count uh brock then drops a second uh f5 um and uh, another kick out from drew drew then wriggles out of a uh, a fourth so i think there's a third f5 drew wriggles out of a fourth f5 managing to connect with three more claymore kicks uh drew pulls back on uh, brock's legs uh, the referee drops to his knees counts to three and uh after four minutes and 26 seconds we have a new wwe champion so guys um you know that Drew McIntyre's quest um, after more than 10 years, you know, he was told 10 years ago that he was the chosen one. He was told 10 years ago by Vince McMahon that he was a future world champion. That never happened. Drew had to kind of get fired, discover himself around the world in various companies um, and then return to NXT and then WWE to eventually realize his dream of facing Brock Lesnar in the main event of WrestleMania uh, for the world championship. Not quite the scenario that he uh, kind of had in mind all these years while trying to scratch and claw his way back into the company. Company, but uh, he's the first ever British-born uh, WWE champion from uh, your native country, Scotland, Grizz. So I'm sure you're very proud. But I'm going to start with you, uh, Grizz. Um, your thoughts on what we're down here is four and a half minutes of uh, German suplexes, f spies and a few Claymore kicks. And then uh, Drew McIntyre's the new champion. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> two days, two Scottish champions. Yes, yes. Nicky Cross, <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. Um, this match sucked. But the ending was excellent. The exact same thing you could kind of say about the uh, the Goldberg Braun Strowman match. Yeah. Um, this is why WWE needs to stop having part timers with belts, especially ones that can't be bothered to go anymore. Because Goldberg, like literally, like both matches were like you could probably put them next to each other and they're almost identical. It's just go for your finisher, go for your finisher, go for your finisher, kick out. Oh, there's. 
a whole bunch of finishers. Yay, it's over. But <clears throat> saying all that, like, I absolutely loved the result. I was proud as punch. I just, I, pretty much everybody on my Facebook uh, feed is because uh, it absolutely blew up when he won. And you've seen the, the emotion pouring from him. So this was still a massive moment for him, regardless of if it was in front of nearly 100,000 people or in front of nobody. Yeah. But still, like, I was I was, I was was happy overall, but it's just, um, it, it does, you know, stick in the old craw that, the match wasn't good because part of the part of the the being happy about the victory is the match and the match being four minutes is just like really that was that was it for your wrestlemania main event it just it was very bittersweet if you get if you get me yeah, definitely. But uh, I mean, there were reports coming out of the the tapings that uh, Brock Lesnar wasn't a happy chappy during those uh, uh, one or two days of recording. Wanted to get out of there, so maybe they cut it short for him. Um, but uh, you know, Brock Lesnar he, he has done the job in terms of selling for Drew, whether it be the, the Royal Rumble on the subsequent Raws and then here at WrestleMania. So he, he has kind of fulfilled his part, you could say. Um, but uh, Matt, coming to you, any, any thoughts on what went down here? And uh, uh, obviously we're elated for Drew McIntyre. Um, and now we've got uh, a full-timer on the roster as a WWE champion. But uh, any thoughts or uh, emotions over what went down last night? Yeah, I, I agree with Chris, really. That was... Um, right result, you know, good result, good outcome to it, but the match was just kind of redundant. Yeah. If you look at the matches that Lesnar's had in the last few years, with the exception of Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, all his matches have been like this, um, and it's just it's just pointless. It you know it doesn't it works as a one-off, like when they did the thing with Goldberg, it was like you know someone can match him impact to impact and stuff like that, so it makes sense. But then. Just to repeatedly do it, even with like Seth Rollins beating him last year, that was a glorified squash match. So, yeah. um, you know, so I think having like because you know, I think we all know that Drew can put in a stellar performance, and, and then hopefully going forward, if he's given the right opponents, you could have some 20 30 minute main event title like challenges. Then, yeah. So, so I mean, I'm going to pose the question then. Now that we've got a, a full-time champion um, on the Raw brand, uh, who do you think are the natural contenders to to Drew now, with him being the champion? Anybody you'd like to see Drew go up against who could be a, a, a worthy uh, a challenger at a future pay-per-view against Drew McIntyre? Then, uh, so uh, Matt. Um, it's difficult to say at the moment. To be honest, obviously, like Randy's just been beaten in the Last Man Standing match. I think him and Drew could potentially have a decent um, run together. So the only main heel otherwise really is Rollins, but then even he he got beat as well. So uh, so unless you're going to turn someone like Kevin Owens heel after he's just had a fairly successful run as a babyface just to go up against him, then I, I really don't know. Mm. So I'm hoping. No, no. But uh, it's, it's not an easy one. I mean, Grizz, is there anybody in particular you'd like to see Drew McIntyre go up against, um, you know, as a future challenger to the belt? Yeah, I've had a bit of an epiphany there. Go on. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jinder Mahal is probably due to return soon. Oh, no. Mm. <laughs> oh, no. But uh, or maybe um, Heath, Heath Slater. He's the only one not to have won the world title out of the three. <laughs> 
Yeah, but yeah, exactly. You know, gender and gender and uh, Drew have history, and even Mahal can claim that he has been a former WWE champion. So yeah, I mean, I I have seen uh, something on on some. I think it was my wife that spotted it online this morning that uh, Tyson Fury has sent out a challenge uh, to Drew McIntyre, so uh, he could be looking for a big payday somewhere down the line against uh, against Drew. But uh, God, that that would that would be an even worse match, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, which which one of those is worse? I don't know. Like, you either have, like, the world's worst wrestler, Jinder Mahal, or you have the best boxer in the world, <laughs> but not a wrestler, Tyson Fury. Like, either, like, that's like Alien versus Predator kind of things of whichever whichever wins we lose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. I certainly don't want it to be Jinder uh, uh, or uh, Tyson Fury, to be honest with you. But uh, I'm, I'm glad for let, Let's just kind of revel in the moment and celebrate the fact that uh, Drew McIntyre has finally accomplished his childhood dream. Uh, but uh, like I say, the only kind of uh, kick to the gut really is that it was in front of no fans but uh, hopefully we'll have many more pay-per-views with uh, Drew on top as the champion with uh, fans there to cheer him on and to see him have a, a lengthy title reign so I'm going to go to both of you two uh, gents to tell me what your kind of overall thoughts of night two of uh, Wrestlemania was any, any what, what were your kind of overriding memories what were you kind of take to the grave review from uh, last night's show um, well oh yeah uh, on you go <laughs> Yeah, I, overall, I enjoyed it, you know, and I think given the context of the the circumstances, you know, across the weekend, they've put on two decent shows, you know, they've given, you know, what, seven and a half hours of entertainment um, for two nights, so, um, yeah, you know, I think the, the big takeaways for me, like, the Firefly Hunter House was just mental. Yeah, bonkers. Um, yeah. On like night one, the the ladder match, um, the KO match, and um, uh, the boneyard match in its own way were, were were definitely the highlights. And and there was like and there was Bailey, so um, we're all good. Um, <laughs> There we go, Bailey. Yes, um, and Grizz, a, a similar question to you, but what was what would you say was your your favourite or the best match of the two nights put together? Yeah, agreed, Bailey. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> no well like uh, well i think uh, Matt kind of hit the nail on the head there see for what um again the, the circumstances what they pulled off was something quite special to be honest and i do think they need to be commended for that because there was a lot of people that were not hyped whatsoever um i could go into the show like i've always liked to try to keep um a positive mind on things i mean Sometimes WWE doesn't make that easy, but um, I'd say overall, like both shows in general were um, like well worth the time like, um, that, that we, we all spent watching them over the, the past two days. And even saying that, the fact that it was over two days, I think helped a lot. Yeah. And I think like the last time I was on this show, uh, me and you, John, we were um, kind of talking briefly about whether or not um, Mania should be a two-day thing. And I think this kind of proves that not only did this work, this worked incredibly well. And it should be something that maybe they should look into in the future. 
Yeah, and, and that was going to be my next question. I mean, do, do you think that they should uh, try this with fans? You know, uh, I think that the next uh, one is uh, uh, WrestleMania Hollywood, WrestleMania 37. Um, can't re- remember the name of the location, but to me, potentially you could do, you know, Raw on the Monday, the Hall of Fame on the Wednesday, TakeOver on the Thursday, Friday, you'll have the SmackDown, of course, and then WrestleMania on the Saturday and Sunday, followed by Raw again uh, the following day on the Monday. So it could work out into a nice schedule, might uh, have a, an extra night for the fans that are traveling to the area and making the most of their, their WrestleMania week um, could be extra you know, money in the pockets of WWE spreading it over two nights, whether they'll be able to get 70,000 people into a stadium uh, two nights on the bounce. But um, uh, it could work. I think it's certainly going to make them think about the possibilities having seen you know, what they were able to achieve over these two nights. But um, I mean, Matt, you know, thrown over to you, would you like to see more two night WrestleManias and, and, to kind of flip the question a little bit, a lot of the stuff they did was was uh, at other locations, kind of filmed in more of a, uh, a motion picture type um, scenario. Certainly the Boneyard match and uh, yeah, the Last Man Standing match and obviously the Firefly Funhouse match. But would you like to see more of them type of matches um, on, on a two-night mania? Could it work? Yeah, I think definitely the two nights would, would work. So if you, if you look back at this weekend, so across the two nights, they're both decent. But imagine if all that was just one night. Imagine like that's that's seven and a half hours. Uh, some of it was better than other bits. So you know, I think if we'd have sat through seven and a half hours of it, we might be coming out with slightly different opinions on some of it. Um, but I think that would definitely work. And I, I think, I think with the like the boneyard match and stuff like that, I think if they, as long as they don't overdo it, I, th- I think it's definitely a way forward. You know, when and it brings back some of, like the the big outlandish characters as well that we kind of grew up on. So. So where you've got your undertakers and, and people can kind of like really kind of go to town with with those gimmicks as well then so uh so yeah something i'd like to see see more of as long as they maintain that standard yeah definitely definitely well uh, I, I just want to thank you both for being uh, fantastic guests on this special episode of wrestling with john covering wrestlemania 36 night two so uh uh yes grizz starting with you i know that you're heavily involved in a couple of other podcasts certainly a, a robot wars podcast if i remember rightly have you got mm-hmm. any uh twitter handles or where can we find out more about your your uh, creative content that you do regarding robot wars and where can we say hi to you on social media Sure. Well, my social media is uh, Juggalo Grizz on Twitter, um, and uh, my uh, my Robot Wars podcast is called Rise of the Robots. We have started from season one, episode one of Robot Wars in the UK. We've also covered the first season of uh, BattleBots in in the US, and in a month there, all the other old school goings on and anything robot combat. We have we we've got a massive grid that we we have made to um sort of set out all the seasons and what we're going to do and we at least have like 36 seasons of robot combat so needless to say we're going to be about for a while so hopefully you join us for the ride and pretty much all of the robot combat that we talk about is available on uh youtube so if you ever need any reminding like feel free to go and watch the episode then Jump over the 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 podcast and uh, join me and my my buddy Alan as we talk some robot combat. And uh, it's called Rise of the Robots. Is that right? That is correct. 
Excellent. We'll definitely be looking out for that. And I make sure that uh, some of the uh, descriptions, some of the links uh, are kind of added to the description of this episode. So we can just sort of click into the description and check out what Grizz is up to. And, and Matt, um, I know that you've got uh, you're, you're quite active on Twitter and on Facebook and you're a regular on the WrestlingWithJohnners.com web page. Uh, but where can my listeners uh, reach out to you, say hi, get to know more about your work? Um, so the easiest place to follow me would be on Twitter. Uh, so it's at MattBaseRest01. Um, or if you just go on there, uh, either John's Facebook group or John's web, uh, web page, and you'll be able to find me on there. And I think there's links and some stuff on there so you can get hold of me. Um, obviously, I'm sat at home with not a lot to do at the moment, like a lot of people. So, um, so social media is my friend, even though I find it not the most sociable thing. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, if people are listening to this and they want to give me a follow, I don't have many followers, so come and keep me company. There we go. We'll make sure that your Twitter handle is in the description as well, Matt. So uh, thank you, Matt. Thank you, Grizz, for being uh, fantastic guests uh, on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. Can't wait to get you both back on the podcast sometime in the future. And uh, uh, like I say, if, if we do talk a, a future WrestleMania, hopefully it's in front of fans and uh, we'll be able to talk about, a bit more about the, the fireworks and the pageantry that we used to uh, from uh, from WrestleMania, of course. But quite a unique show to cover, uh, quite a unique two nights to cover. Um, but uh, yes, hopefully we'll be uh, talking talking about uh, more normal circumstances in the future but uh, thank you gents i really really appreciate your help so uh, please keep it tuned to the wrestling majolas podcast uh, and if you've enjoyed listening to this episode please don't forget to spread the word tell your friends and tell your family don't forget to press subscribe so you can be notified every time a new episode drops and uh, once again uh, a final thanks to matt and a final thanks to grizz for being uh, great guests and uh, let's see if uh, anybody can knock grizz off the top of their brain buster uh, uh, charts so it's got to happen one day it's got to it's not happened so please. far but uh, i've got I've got a lineup of contestants dying to knock you off the top, but uh, we will see. We can. Uh, uh, Grizz is standing watching from afar with his uh, cape uh, flowing in the wind uh, to see if there's any any challengers uh, to his throne. But uh, thank you guys, really appreciate it. Thanks to everybody for listening, and we'll catch up with you all again soon. Bye.